when Terry and I read that gospel text that showed up as the appointed one for our worship service this Sunday, he said to me, do you think we can maybe just find a lost chapter of the letter of James and keep doing that instead? <laughs> Oof, right? We've had a good run with James these past few weeks in worship, but I am afraid there's no avoiding Mark this morning. That gospel text we just read sticks out like a sore thumb. These are hard, hard words. To be fair, we are now dropping into a section of the Gospel of Mark that is sort of chock full of hard words from Jesus. At the close of chapter 9, just before our reading today, Jesus advised cutting your hand off if it causes you to sin, or plucking your eye out if that's where the problem is. In the passage following ours, Jesus will tell a well-meaning rich man that all he needs to do to inherit eternal life is sell everything. Simple, right? At this point in the story, Jesus is nearing Jerusalem and his final conflict with the religious and civil authorities, and you can sense this renewed urgency in the way he's teaching. The stakes are high, he says, in many different ways, and joining in the work of the kingdom is no picnic. It will demand everything. It will lead to the cross. So this isn't so much the consider the lilies Jesus hanging out on a hillside in Galilee here. It's more the wild-eyed take up your cross and follow me, Jesus. Fair enough. But still, this passage we have in front of us today is a particularly thorny one. Divorce is a deeply painful topic and one that touches close to home for the vast majority of us. Whether you've gone through a divorce, or your parents have, or a close family member or friend has, it's a personal and sensitive subject. We are in troubled waters here. So before we dive into this passage and look around a little more closely, I want to name what I see as two common misconceptions about it. Two obstacles to listening to what it actually says. The first misconception is that this passage is somehow the Bible's definitive word on the topic of marriage and divorce. I think this passage is sometimes treated this way, like stuck right here near the climax of Mark's gospel is a little mini essay from Jesus on matters of family life. But no, that's not what it is. It is a single, heated interaction between Jesus and a group of religious leaders of his day, and the context matters greatly. More on that in a moment. So that's one misconception. The second one is that Jesus is making an argument here for heterosexual marriage as the only acceptable kind. It's a passage sometimes toted out by opponents of marriage equality, since yes, Jesus talks about marriage as taking place between a man and a woman here. But the truth is, issues of sexual orientation were not part of this particular conversation at all. The Pharisees asked a question presuming a married man and woman, and Jesus answered on those grounds. The contemporary issue of marriage equality simply isn't on the horizon in this conversation. So I hope we can sort of set those two obstacles aside. There are thorns enough in this passage without holding it up as some sort of general text on the eternal and unchanging nature of marriage and divorce. So what is actually going on here? Well, Mark says that one day, as Jesus was nearing Jerusalem, a group of Pharisees approached him with the intention of tricking him. 
Did you notice that? This is no innocent question posed to Jesus by a curious and searching soul. No, this is a trap laid by religious authorities concerned with Jesus's growing popularity and the growing threat he was posing to their position of power. They are hoping to get him into trouble here. You may recall that religious leaders try similar things throughout the Gospels. A group asks him once if it's lawful to pay taxes to the emperor, knowing full well that if he says yes, he's going to anger his audience, and if he says no, he's going to get himself in a heap of trouble. Another group posed a ridiculous scenario of a single woman who's widowed by seven brothers in succession, finally asking whose wife she will be in the resurrection. The insecure leaders love putting Jesus on the spot, asking him questions that will hopefully make him appear dangerous or silly or otherwise not worth listening to. Something like that is taking place right here, Mark tells us. Some Pharisees came and to test Jesus, they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Biblical scholars tell us there was an active debate taking place on divorce in Jesus's time, not in fact on whether a man could divorce his wife. Everybody agreed about that fact since it was right there in Jewish law. The debate was on the grounds that the husband needed. One school of thought says the husband could divorce her on virtually any grounds he liked. Burning his dinner was enough, said one text from this time. Another school of thought said much more serious grounds were needed. So it seems like the Pharisees are looking to drag Jesus into this particular debate, to get him into the fray where he might lose some allies or some credibility. Where do you stand, Jesus? What do you say? One thing you can say about Jesus is that he was sort of a master at not taking the bait. You'll notice he says nothing about this legal dispute at all. Instead of the grounds on which marriage can be ended, he talks about God's intention for human relationships. They're meant to be stable and lasting and true, he says. And that's a very significant move. Because as you might have noticed, the debate buzzing around in Jesus' time left women in a particularly precarious situation. They were not subjects in this conversation at all, but objects. The debate was all about under what conditions they could be dismissed. And a divorced woman in Jesus' society found herself in a dangerous and uncertain place. Her source of stability and support ripped out from under her. If her husband wrote her a certificate and divorced her, as the law allowed, she needed to find other means of survival quickly. The social safety net was very easy for a divorced woman to slip right through. And so it seems Jesus wants no part in this particular conversation about the legal grounds on which a husband could allow his wife to end up in that situation. The whole debate stinks, Jesus says, because that's not what God intends at all. God means for relationships to be mutual and caring, committed and enduring. Marriage is serious business, not just a contract of convenience to be tossed out when one feels like it. It's important here to hear Jesus' words in all of that context. I think he's essentially dismissing a debate that objectified women and minimized their suffering. He is standing up for their needs here and their safety in a deeply patriarchal culture. It's important to hear that. Context matters. Still, 
What do we do with these hard words of Jesus today? These words that leave so little room for the messiness of life, that say nothing about the fact that no matter what God intends, and despite every good faith effort, some relationships simply do cease to be mutual and caring and committed. You know, I have never actually paid much attention to the fact that the scene immediately after these hard words from Jesus is him welcoming children. It's this warm, lovely scene, and it's actually a far more radical one than we normally realize. There was no UN Convention on the Rights of the Child in Jesus' day. While children may have been loved by their families, out in public they were not seen as persons with a great deal of worth or rights. They were vulnerable, and not necessarily treated with a whole lot of respect. You can see this in the disciples' reaction when children are being brought to Jesus for a blessing. They try to shoo these troublesome kids away from the busy and important teacher. But Jesus is having none of it. Let them come to me, he says. Let these little ones with no status or privilege come. Because it's to people like them that the kingdom of God belongs. I had never much noticed that this particular scene comes right after Jesus' hard and seemingly uncompromising words about divorce. But for me, it is a great help in dealing with them. Those hard words were spoken to protect the vulnerable, because that's what Jesus always did. They weren't spoken to shame or insult or exclude those who are hurting. Though they have certainly been used that way through the centuries, nothing could be farther from Jesus' life. This one who opened his arms to children opens them to all. There is a welcome embrace there for each of us, no matter what hopes have been dashed, no matter what disappointments have been endured, no matter where we've been broken and bruised by life. And that is finally where this passage leaves us, in those strong and gentle arms. There is room there for each of us, friends, and the promise that in Jesus' company, new life is never out of reach. Amen.